Hey kids, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast you're going to love. On behalf of myself, Morgan Rector, of one of the most horrific true crime podcasts, Human Monsters, I'd like to ask you this question. Do you like to travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Fun fact, there is a morgue on every cruise ship. After all, people die everywhere. Why wouldn't they die on a cruise ship in the Bahamas? Well, this new podcast has all that and murder. Murder. It's called Slaycation, and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband, and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and what-the-fuck stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater, each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder? But it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you. It's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be Emmy-nominated TV producers. Each episode of Slaycation also includes humor, takeaway, and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last. If you're ready to pack your body bags, Slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms. Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Welcome to the I Can't Sleep Podcast with Benjamin Boster. If you're tired of sleepless nights, you'll love the I Can't Sleep Podcast. I help quiet your mind by reading random articles from across the web to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. Each episode provides enough interesting content to hold your attention and then your mind lets you drift off. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. That's I Can't Sleep with Benjamin Boster. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. 
I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. I have received many requests to cover certain cases for this show. I have found a way to accommodate this without playing favorites. At the first of every month, I will sift through names from my list of Patreon donors in a bowl and draw someone at random. That individual will get to choose a case for that month. The link to my Patreon account, once again, is www.patreon, that's spelled p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash leader one l-e-a-d-e-r-o-n-e thank you and enjoy the show Welcome to Human Monsters. Uh, this is a sequel to the episode called Prison Horror Stories. This time around, we have a guest who has actually been in prison, and he can dispel some of the myths and misconceptions that we've been led to believe in if we've never been in prison, because movies and television have a way of depicting it in a way that's uh, not always realistic. Uh, sometimes it, it, exaggerates, uh, it exaggerates certain aspects a prison culture. Uh, it's Raymond Hazen Jr., and he's also the co-host of another one of my podcasts, the Trailer Park Boys Fan Federation podcast. If you're a fan of, if you're a fan of the Trailer Park Boys uh, TV show, then you may enjoy that one. So, thank you very much, Raymond, for joining me on this episode. Wow, thanks for having me in, man. All right, so I'll start off. Uh, so, what, what were you arrested for? What was the charge that brought you into prison? I, I, I'll go with. Uh, I think you stayed in prison more than commercial once. Commercial right? burglary. Commercial burglary. So, was it? Was yeah. it shoplifting or? Yeah. Well, it was a bunch of stuff. I uh, yeah, I stole a whole lot, a lot of stuff. Oh <laughs> yeah. Store. Yeah. So, how high end were these products? Was it like electronics oh, yeah, it wasn't or? Something? Too high end. It was just a bunch of camping gear and, and, and shit like that. You know, I was living home and so I just went and sold like. A whole bunch of stuff, and it was hundreds, several hundreds of dollars, and I think about a, close to a grand's worth of stuff, and uh, got him up for that, and so they gave me a burglary charge out of uh, Napa for that. And uh, it seems to me like one of the hardest things about being in prison must be the, the first 24 hours. Uh, like, I'm particularly talking about, like, when you go for the first time, uh, just the reality of it sinks in, the gravity of it, where it's like, I'm not going, I'm not leaving this place for a long time, and I'm surrounded by a lot of bad people. So, like, what, what was the first night like when you were there? 
it really for me it wasn't really too much i mean my dad went to prison when i was like three and so i've been going as a visitor as from a child all the way on so like i was familiar with being incarcerated not really as in like i had been too much like as a child if you're not really locked up you know but i started getting arrested myself as an adult like right out of the gate you know stupid things like you know being 17 or 18 you know drunk in public somewhere or partying or you know doing peddly little stupid shit kids do you know uh but by that point i had done you know quite some time in county jail leading up to prison so i was not unfamiliar with being incarcerated uh you know i got a couple duis by that point you know driving home from bars and things like that um eventually they sent me for burglaries and and uh I, I mean, it was weird. They seemed to San Quentin State Penitentiary, and I remember pulling up, and like I wasn't as like scared or shocked as I thought I would be. And I remember thinking that was kind of odd. Like, this is already too comfortable in my life, and this is my first trip to prison. Like, I'm I'm already like, yeah, I know kind of what to expect. And uh, but I do remember San Quentin is like a castle almost. It's its own like its own world. It's a trip. And um, I, I mean, like, I, I think I've stated on, on the other show that we have uh, that it is the oldest penitentiary in California. I think 1889 or 88, something like that is when it was built. Um, next one would be Folsom. Uh, but anyway, um, I just remember thinking how, like, like, it was just, it was big and massive. And uh, I mean, it was intimidating. It, it was, you know, it, like, I didn't know what to expect, but it's not like I wasn't unprepared for the possibilities. And I remember walking in, it was a trip. Uh, it was crazier now. Cause like you go in, they give you your, your, your bedroll and they make you dress out. And of course, you know, you got to squat and cough and some, some guy wants to look at your butthole. I mean, you guys are having that job. You stare <laughs> in the guy's yeah. buttholes all day, every day. Did they de-louse you too? They throw the white powder on you? <laughs> no, they don't, they don't do that. They don't do that. Um, that, uh, but see, once again, uh, I mean, not once again, maybe I should state that my point of view is limited into this area of the world that I'm in down here in California. Like, I haven't been to prison in, in uh, you know, New York or Amsterdam or Russia. So, I mean, everywhere is different, you know. Uh, I did do a little time up in Oregon. Um, that was the, the weed thing that I mentioned to you one time. I got busted with a bunch of weed with some buddies, and we were up in Oregon for about a week. <laughs> and... Um, that's a different place because to my understanding, they don't really have jail versus prison. They just have the detention center. And so everyone in there, it could be a 30 day charge, it could be a 10 year charge. You, you know, you're all there together. Um, at least that's where, that's the way it was made out to me. Like was told to me where I was at, uh, Coos Bay, Coke Hill, uh, Oregon. Um, that was a tricky place. But anyway, uh, they give you, you know, and they walk, they walk in, and I remember they took me to uh, West Block. West Block is where they put me, the infamous West Block of San Quentin, and uh, it's the oldest part of the, the prison, and it's it's still the same bars, it's the same everything from back then when they built it. Like there's, you know, when you walk inside this big building, it's a building inside of a building, so like the cells are its own building, and there's a building built around that, and the cells are back to back, so they face opposite directions. And you got yard side and bay side. Yard side faces the yard, and the bay side faces the bay of the bay area. And uh, anyway, um, 
you know, they, they tell you, you know, whatever your last name is and, you know, what cell you're in. And there's five tiers, one, two, three, four, five. That's, you know, basically just picture five stories, you know, inside. It's a five-story building inside of another building. And uh, 100 tiers or 100 cells long. So you got what, like, oh, it's like five, a thousand guys in there or something. And uh, anyway, they tell you and you just start walking up these stairs to go to your cell, man. And just everybody you can imagine is just hollering at you. Everyone wants to know who you are, where you're coming from, and know the first person of your race that sees you. Like the first cell you walk by, whatever race you are, that person is, is calling at you because they, they, they're going to let you know who on the tier, whoever route is, you know, the, the key holder of your guys' what's called car, and that's your race because, yes, in prison, it's still purely racial politics. Um, and, uh, you know, they got to make sure you know your paperwork's good. You don't have any bad charges, you know, like rape and child things and you know bad shit so they just make sure you're good and then you get to hang around if you're not good you're you know, you're, you're getting removed um but i remember this is the craziest thing first night i got there this is the whole point of the story as i'm walking down the chair to tell me first time you know hayes and what was it 378 base side of things but they said 378 so that's third tier 78 freaking sell down so i'm walking down and uh, as i'm just walking right and like People are hollering and everything. I'm trying to you know, ignore my, my own business. I, I remember before I got there, some older dudes I knew who'd been there told me, There's, you know, if you can do these two things, you'll pretty much stay out of trouble in prison. If you can avoid uh, 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 gambling debts and, and drug debts, getting in debt for things, uh, for the most part, you can stay out of trouble. You know, that's what gets most people caught up are those two things, gambling debts and drug debts. Um, but anyway, you know, like, I wasn't informed of this very message, and I'm glad that I saw the sign, because as I was walking down, I happened to glance over to the left, and on the other side, like, there's a big gap from the tier that I'm walking on, which is basically like a balcony, you know, um, and you, there's a big gap, and there's the wall over there, and there's what's called the gunner's tier that they walk on, and there's, like, two or three of them that go up, up there's two or three, I think there's three that go up the whole wall. And uh, so, like, each one can watch two at a time, you know what I'm saying, of the five tiers. And uh, anyway, right as, right as I'm walking by this, I look over, here's this big giant sign that says, warning, uh, uh, no, uh, no attention, no warning shots fired in this unit. And at that very second, here comes a guard walking by, which is a big old rifle in his arms, walking right past that sign. It's saying, no warning shots fired, attention, <laughs> basically, basically meaning if you fuck off, they're going to shoot you. And, uh, and yeah, <laughs> they would. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a welcome wagon, isn't it? Yeah. That's good, that's good information. Oh, dude, and it was crazy. This is true. Okay, I think we've all seen, what is it, the old Tango and Cash with, uh, um, was it uh, Stallone and, and uh, Kurt Russell? And it's the scene where they go to prison, and it's like things are getting thrown out of the cells and like stuff's on fire and trash every oh yeah it's just like that when i walked in dude there were mattresses on fire fucking shit being thrown everywhere and it's there's these dudes called uh what are they tear runners basically well they, they swept up the dudes on the bottom floor swept up a lot because it was all day and they had those big dust mobs and they would just push it from one end and turn around and back to the other and turn around back to the other all day back and forth because the shit flying out never stopped. Oh, you mean like that thing they call fishing where you lower yes. a string with an object on it and someone picks it up and yeah. That that is a hundred percent true. You get a usually you can use sheet and you get strips of sheet and tie it together to make your line and then you make what's called your car, 
which is usually like a soda bottle or like a juice bottle, something to get your hands on and get some weight to it so that way you can have a little weight on the end. And then, yeah, basically it's just a back and forth type motion. You use the weight of it to send it where you need it to go, you know? And then other people can grab a hold of it and, you know, if you've got a long enough line, they'll pull it into their house a bit and fish it down farther if you need to go farther. And you keep the farthest end tied to like your rack in your house. And then no matter what, it doesn't go anywhere. But you've got to be careful because the guards going by, they're cutting that shit and ripping that down, man. And who knows? You might have a kite on there, a kite's a note, you know, saying some shit. You might have some store on there, some things that you buy. You might have some weed, who knows what, you know? And if the cops cut that, dude, you're lost. And let's say, you know, dude's sending you some tobacco or something and the cops take it. Well, guess what? You purchased that, whether you dropped the stuff off already or not, you know? Yeah, yeah. And when one other aspect of the uh, interpersonal dynamics of prison is uh, the relationship with your cellmate, and I know that sometimes that can get very tense. Uh, did you have any problems there? Because I know that sometimes, like you know, if a guy is not uh, very fastidious about cleaning up the toilet or whatever after using it, that that can become a huge issue because you are cramped into a very tight space. So did you, did did you enter? Did you experience any kind of drama with your cellmate? Well, I will say that the San Quentin, um, West Block, uh, Badger, Darner, all those sections, uh, which Badger's the only other one I've been in. But anyway, um, they are very very small. They're like four by eight by eleven, four feet by eight feet tall by about eleven feet long. That is that is it. When I'm standing in there, I can put my hand on my hip, my elbow against one wall, and then put my arm across the top bunk and fingertips to the other wall. And like, so I'm talking fingertips to elbow is how wide wow. the thing is. And then, you know, put my hand up in the air and it's knuckles. I can't even extend my fingertips. Knuckles touch the roof. And uh, yeah, it's tiny. Then there's the length of it is the length of the bunk. And then there's a toilet directly on the other side of the bunk. And the toilet and the sink are a combo, like one unit. So yeah, they're very tiny. So yeah, you can easily get cramped. And some guys are big guys. You know, I got lucky. I never had too big a guys. Like I'm a large guy myself. I'm just about six two, and I mean, I'm I'm close to the peak of my weight. I'm right around two sixty, two seventy ish. Haven't stepped on the scale in a while, but I'm right in that vicinity. Um, luckily, I've been the bigger one of the dudes in my cells normally. So, because uh, like I've got, like I said, we've all got buddies that are real, real big. It'd be harsh. I've seen some big dudes in there. It'd be harsh to sell or to share a cell with one of those guys. Um, I had one dude that we had a few little arguments and beefs. I mean, it can get that way, you know. Like, um, if okay, so not everyone's been in there, but everyone's grown up and had a buddy or, or you know a girlfriend or whatever come over spend the night, and they stayed like two or three days too long. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, yeah. And you just kind of like everything annoys. Everything's annoying. It, yeah. That happens a few times but for the most part at least in the experience I've had um, you know we've understood that like there really isn't much choice we can do and all we're going to do is get in a fight and wind up in the hole and losing time over what because fucking like you left your spoon out or something you know what I'm saying like yeah yeah. <laughs> so inside this, this cell you try to resolve your issues as best you can because there's not much you can really do because no one's coming to crack those doors really like you know you're not getting out of, like 
cops don't care really once you're in there once you're once you're locked yourself in they don't come around unless they're coming to talk your house you know which they do a lot of that yeah you know coming to search shake down search for things proto knives weapons whatever you know drugs kites kill kites whatever you know oh but throw all your throw all your shit off the tier Oh, oh, tell them, tell them about, uh, sorry, tell them about Pruno, actually, how that's made uh, and what it is, yeah. Pruno, Pruno, uh, yeah, it's just jailhouse liquor, I mean, it's what you're, like, toilet merlot, no, it's not really toilet merlot, but no, you, you know, you make, like, a kicker, what you call a kicker, and that's your yeast, and everyone knows ethanol alcohol is, is made from yeast, they, you know, that's the difference from isopropyl, um, ethanol alcohol is what we can consume and gets us intoxicated and safe and will kill you and all that. But anyway, that's made from yeast products fermenting with fruit and other things. Um, and so basically you just make jailhouse wine. It's usually real, you know, low end uh, stuff. Um, doesn't taste the best in the world, but you know, you get some bread and some other things. You make a little ball with some jellies and stuff for sugar and you let that start to ferment and you drop in a whole bunch of fruit you know usually oranges squeeze up orange juice apple juice fruit punch whatever you get your hands on uh and then you can make that and then then guys you know if you can get the the hot pots you know or the uh, uh the stingers we call them stingers they're like little like you, you can put it in a cup of hot and make it hot water. You get what I'm saying? It's like a little stick you can put in there and it gets really hot. You can get those things too, but uh, the, the hot pots work best. You can get those modified so they get super hot. And people actually can make, you know, they make good pruno and then they start cooking it off just like you would alcohol. And you, you can cook that alcohol off and get a distilled clear white liquor that you, which you hear when you hear a white lightning. Now that shit will get you some fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol. How much would, how much Pruno would you need to drink to get drunk? Like in terms of drinking shots, how many shots would you need to drink of it? Oh, dude, a bit, dude. I'm drinking like a gallon. A gallon? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, figure like, I mean, figure like maybe beer, maybe wine, alcohol. You're you're looking at anywhere from like seven to you know like 16 percent maybe. For oh, just, I see. For just for just Pruno. I mean, you know, you get to the, the white lightnings, you get you get somebody making that for you, and then yeah, you got us regular alcohol, you know, so you're you're getting you're getting drunk off that for sure, you know, regular, a few drinks, you know, a couple cocktails, a few shots, you know, like regular alcohol, but the Pruno, oh yeah, that's if you, I mean you're familiar with Trader Park Boys, it's like swoosh, you gotta yeah, gotta drink a whole bunch of it. <laughs> so uh, how does uh, the culture of prison? compared to the culture of city jails and county jails like what, what did you find was the difference prison's way better oh yeah okay yeah and i, and I don't want to say that to everybody out there so they just think oh i'm just gonna go to prison yeah no problem in prison you get outside more uh, there's more freedom um like most county jails i experienced you're basically entirely inside you might have a yard that's usually like up on the roof of the building but besides that there's no real outside like there's a prison we got the basketball court out on the track <clears throat> you know out in the weight pile there's no weight piles and stuff um county jails are like you know inside little facilities and they suck you know, you go to prison you can get your own tv at most institutions you can get your own headphones you can get your store dropped off you get uh contact visits where and then if you're married you get conjugal visits whereas in county jail it's almost always behind glass like there's tons of this, the, the amount of things you can get in store, the amount of rights that you have, um, they all increase. Uh, 
the downside is, is the amount of time you're doing definitely increases also. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, right. <laughs> but if you had to do, like, like when they came out with that AB 109 rule a few years back, where it was like, you know, now you can do like up to like 10 years in county or two. Like I'll tell you right now, I'd rather go do five years in prison, five years in county any day. Yeah, yeah. Even, yeah. even though you are, you are at risk more, it's dangerous more, there's hard, more, you know, hardened felons there, uh, you know. But if you try to mind your P's and Q's, you can't be all right. And, and uh, <clears throat> the, the food is notorious for being really terrible in prison. Uh, so how did you find it? Is it, is, I mean, what oh, I heard horrible. it was that it's, it's, it's devoid of flavor and it's what? It's uh, yeah, no, it's horrible. They can't really add any seasonings to it because you got old guys with heart problems and things. You can't add salt. Right? People are allergic to things. So like there, there's no seasoning basically in anything. And, uh, you know, we, we joke about it and say, if it wasn't for our store, you know, commissary, your soups and your chips and all the shit that you buy, if it wasn't for all that, you'd starve. You know, and realistically, you would because you get the one tray and that's it. Like if, you know, if you get a small little slop of green beans and it really wasn't even a full spoonful, sorry about your luck, buddy. Like there's no going back in line and going, hey, can I get some more green beans? Like I didn't get enough. <laughs> then yeah. sorry, you know, that's well, get out of line. Matter of fact, as soon as you get to chow, which is, you know, the food hall called Chow. You walk in, you're in line, you grab your tray, and you sit down in, in, like, in order. There's no just go sit down somewhere. Like, they move you down the lines. Like, as you're walking in, you walk in, it's like herding cattle. And then when you sit at the table with whoever you happen to be standing next to as you go in. You're like, the guy in front of you could be who you went into line with, but he ends up at the table over there while you're over here just because that's the way, you know, it went. Then... I'm telling you, as soon as you sit down, you see them coming up like they're, you got maybe, maybe five, so maybe five minutes. So that's why that old thing, you see guys come home to eat real fast, they kind of real quick, so they got to get the food down and go. That is a fact. Like you got minutes to eat your tray and, and go. Or, wow. oh, sorry, time to go. Uh, yeah. Did you ever see the, the TV show Oz? Yes, watched and- uh, all six. Six seasons, I yeah, think. me too. I have the DVDs. Yeah. Uh, so that that's not a realistic portrayal of prison at all, is it? Well, see, from where I've been, no, no. I mean, I mean, some of it, yes. Uh, the only the only thing that I'd say that that they depict wrong is all the rape. Like, there's tons of rape in prison, and no, there really isn't much of that that I've noticed. Uh, I mean, for the most part, most dudes in there are not homosexual. Uh, there are some, um, and depending on what you know, race or nationality they are, depending on what institution they're at, determines on whether they're even allowed to be around or not. You know, um, and and I mean, maybe on some like level four yards, like down here in California, you got you know level one, two, three, and four. And that's your low level to your high levels, and up on those fours, those are your you know certified killers and you know guys who ate twelve people and, and you know things like that probably. <laughs> Uh, and now some of them, maybe I've never been to one of those, so I can't say how much rape goes on a four yard. Uh, to my understanding now, my father's been on several four yards and he's always told me that no, it wasn't really like that. Um, that, you know, maybe back in the seventies and early eighties, it kind of was that stuff kind of fell off a little bit. I, I don't know. I think it's also because there are some there that are more open now that there's people that actually are willing to give it away, that they don't have to rape. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think is, is probably what part of it is, you know? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Procurement is a demon that walks among us. A predator that ruined families. The Lisk Long Island Serial Killer podcast was shocked when the news broke of Rex Hewerman's arrest. After more than a decade of searching, law enforcement officials had finally pieced together enough evidence to bring formal charges against Rex Hewerman. Initially charged with three murders, Hewerman is now officially charged with all four deaths in the Gilgo 4 case. I'm your host, Chris Moss, and the List Podcast will be releasing new episodes with interviews and fresh insight on the case as Rex Huberman awaits trial in Long Island. While we are relieved by the arrest, the List Podcast team will be working hard to share new developments and perspectives as we get them. So please keep your eyes and ears out for new episodes, and if you haven't already, please listen to seasons one and two of Lisk Long Island Serial Killer, wherever you listen to podcasts. So you weren't aware of, aware of any of those guys they call punks, the ones who basically become somebody's property and they just pimp them out? No, 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 no. That's, that's like I said, that's a bit of a Hollywood thing or um, maybe on a higher yard or in a different state, you know, or a different institution. Uh, like, I know that everywhere I've been, I'm a, I'm a white guy, so of course I'm clicked up with the white guys and we don't even let... You know, without, you know, no disrespect to anyone out there that is. We don't like they don't. Even, if you're openly running around doing things like that, like they don't even let you be on the yard. Like they'll remove you. You know, and uh, the you know the whites keep they they don't, very hard politics when it comes to a lot of things. You know, and um, and I mean there was not very very many. Like usually, like okay, what is it? CMF, I think it's the medical facility is what it's called. Now a lot of uh, homosexuals and transgenders and things like that go to that institution to keep them protected from people because you know a lot of guys in there will you know you see a dude because because in prison just because you have boobs you've got a penis you're still a guy you know what I'm saying so they put you in with the guys and those people would get attacked sometimes you know a lot of times really and so they they started separating them to keep their own places to keep them protected and you know I don't know you get a bunch of guys who like are you know i'm that just don't like gay sex like i don't know like i personally like, i don't mind jerking off i, I don't know if that's okay to say like, i don't okay. need to get it from some other dude to get like I, i'm fine like i don't turn myself on enough as it is like i, I, I don't need to do it you know yeah <laughs> yeah dudes aren't attractive have you seen guys asses i've seen tons of them in, in prison showers well, i'm sure not, yeah. one them, not one of them is sexy yeah was there <laughs> was there an anti-masturbation policy? Is they do not allow that there? No, they frown upon it. Uh, I do know. Okay, so San Quentin. This is weird. San Quentin was was reception for where uh, where I was at here in California. I ended up mainlining over Jamestown, and while I was there, like San Quentin. I bet you. I think you can order. You can probably get it, bud. Like uh, San Quentin Times. I think is what it's called. Is its own newspaper. Oh wow! And uh, and it goes to all the institutions, and like you can buy it. Like people around the world 
subscribe to and stuff. And uh, I should look that up. Pretty positive you can. Uh, any anyway, um, I I read an article on how uh, they had were still not promoting uh, sexual relations amongst inmates, but there was a box up at the guards uh, shack, which was just a desk in one of the, you know each of the. Uh, you know, areas, each one had a guard shack, it was just a desk. But anyway, you can go up to it and there's just a box that had condoms in it that you could take condoms out of it if you wanted to. But, uh, but you know, of course they didn't promote it, it relations between inmates. I'm like, yes, you are. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, that, yeah. You, you know, that's, that's the only promotion of it. Uh, anti-masturbation policy, like, like the not admin- that I heard of, but Did the administration not allow want, it? You don't want to be caught doing it. <laughs> yeah, no one would under any circumstances. But no. like, does, does the prison, does the administration have a policy against that? Because, like, I think I've seen that. I mean, what I've just heard, I don't know, maybe it was in fiction TV shows, I don't know, where you're just not allowed to do anything sexual. So can you, are you not allowed to gratify you yourself? Know what? Actually, you're right. I think, I think you're right on that one because you're right. Sexual acts are uh, just... Uh, disband or disbarred. I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for here is not allowed. So uh, you're right. I think masturbation might actually fall into that. Well, you'd think that they I'm, would at least like that. That's ever been like busted for it, and, like, yeah. written up or anything, but there probably is on the books. Well, aren't you asking for trouble when you won't even allow a bunch of men to jerk off? You know. <laughs> Dude, you, you take away liquor, you take away fucking dope, weed, you take away uh, uh, you know some cigarettes. And, and, and sex, and you say you can't masturbate. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bit much, you know. That's they got to vent they somehow. No wonder they're stabbing stab each other in there, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of prison rules, it seems to me like it must be tricky sometimes to strike a, a a balance between, on one hand, obeying the the prison's rules as laid down by the warden and all the other administration, but the inmates have another set of rules, so. Like, so say somebody gets killed and maybe they have reason to believe that you witnessed it and they want you to tell them who did it, but you also know s- snitches get stitches and you'll end up being murdered. Uh, if, yeah, you, if you, you yeah, can't you know. say nothing. Yeah. If, I'm sorry, I didn't mean good job. No, yeah, I was just going to uh, say, yeah, balance, striking the balancing act between those two sets of rules, that must be tricky sometimes, right? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, short answer, no. Is the short answer is you don't talk to cops, period. Period. Yeah. I mean, how you doing? How's your day? How's it going? Anything that doesn't pertain to you personally, you do not say to them at all. You don't say, hey, you see Johnny's new freaking stereo he got, his family sent it? You don't even say shit like that. If it doesn't pertain to you, you don't say nothing to the police. It's about them uh, and the day and yourself, and that's it. And, and if you just stick to that rule and, yeah, you'll be all right. But, I mean, they'll come in. I mean, I remember this one time. It was one of the few fights that I got in there. Uh, me and this dude got in a little knuckle up. And I'm not going to lie, he died in my eye pretty decent. I had a nice little shiner. And uh, so they come over. And freaking, as soon as they see that, you know, they want to, they rush me straight off the medical. And they strip me down butt naked to search my entire body for more marks. And then they want to see, you know, all right, who did it, who did it, who did it. You know, we're... If, you know, I slipped in the shower, man. I was playing basketball. Like, what do you want me to sell you, dude? Like, you know, it's a handball. 
And the one cop looks at me and says, yeah, you see, you play no handball. I said, well, you ain't paying attention, you know? <laughs> Pay attention more. You might notice some things. And, uh, you know, first, soon, of course, as soon as I get back, they want to search everybody, check everybody's knuckles, look at everything, which everything was fine. It had been some days. No, no big deal. No one got busted. And, uh, you know, instantly, everyone, what'd you say? And, of course, it's absolutely nothing. That's why no one got busted. No one got hemmed up. No one got taken away. But, oh, yeah, they're going to hound you for it. And realistically, at the end of the day, as long as you stick to your guns of, I'm sorry, I can't tell you nothing, um, or I don't know nothing, you know, whatever it is, you don't have to say, I'm sorry, you don't have to be polite about it, you just be like, nah, I don't know what the fuck you're even talking about. Uh, ultimately, they can't hold you on nothing, you know, bust you for nothing, um, for not telling them, you know. Uh, but, I mean, that's up to you. If you want to tell them what happened, you, I mean, you will deal with the repercussions, and you, yes, you are right, snitches do get stitches. You. You get caught talking about anyone's business to them, and oh yes, it, oh yes, it will happen. You will get handled. And when you get removals or DPs, uh, which is disciplinaries or uh, whatever you want to call them, because removals and DPs are basically what we call them down here, <laughs> um, it's usually two or three or four guys, and you're getting removed physically before you know, like you're getting hurt before you leave, you know, just actually, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, A removal is you're physically hurt and then you have to go. Uh, did you ever witness and or have involvement in a riot? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, two actually, uh, over in Jamestown, um, which were just, you know, I was just fighting trying to keep myself not fucking killed because it was just a crazy mess. Uh, crazy thing I saw in that though is I did see a dude get stabbed with a broom handle in the stomach. Uh, oh wow! That was that was pretty uh, nuts. Just a bunch of blood everywhere. Um, saw another guy get hit in the face with a broom handle. Um, you know, basically just in a situation like that, you just click up with a couple, three or four buddies that you know that you're always. That's the thing I do when you go to prison, like. Like you don't have to gang up and become an Aryan brother or, or a, you know, black, you know, whatever. I don't even know what that guerrilla mafia thinks what they're called. Some of them, I don't really know, you know, or, you know, you know, the Nortenio. Like, you don't have to. Well, actually, you know, a lot of, if you claim Nortenio, I mean, you got a really rough, rough time in there. They got a hard, hard program, man. They're like military with their stuff, man, and they're vit, you know, but, uh, but they've kind of lost the, battle between the northern and southerners down here in california but anyway um that's either here nor there i don't want to speak on things that i don't understand too much not my point of view but uh anyway um hell was i sounding outside there <laughs> so the so the riot so how, how long did yeah. it take for that to be uh for that to be subdued for everything to be like cleaned up and well you know? it seems like forever but they really only go on for like you know, maybe 20 minutes, half hour, 15 minutes. Uh, let's hear the, the first one was, I think, in the 20 minute area. And then the, the second one, the second one last night, damn right, 45 minutes. Um, but I'll tell you that the craziest thing that I'd seen it wasn't in either of those. Which, which we, if you know, we can wait till we get to that. But there was, there was something else I've seen in prison that was even crazier than any of that. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what was the most disturbing thing you ever witnessed in prison? 
I watched a guy get thrown off. I don't know if it was the fourth or the fifth tier. All I know is I was on the third, and the dude came from above me, and he was thrown off the tier in San Quentin and went down and basically splatted, dude. I mean, it's like a four-story drop, you know, five-story drop. So what, his head just exploded on impact? Yeah, it was just, you know, when he got down there, and, I mean, instantly you hear, you know, the alarms go off and fucking shit gets crazy. And believe me, there were more cops in prison than you realize. The 12 you see walking around are the 12 you see walking around. There's like a thousand hidden behind doors and underground and all kinds of shit, man. And when shit goes crazy, they come out of the woodworks. You know, people always say, how come the inmates don't? overthrow the prison because you know, believe me there's a lot more cops than you see there at all times there really really is man i don't know where the hell they all come from but anyway you know they're every tier there's just dozens of them and they're just shoving you guys in cells man and, and uh you know we were locked down for shit and uh I mean, it, it, in reception you're locked down already for a while but like we we, we got self-fed i think for the next like three weeks Wow, so you were in lockdown, like just wouldn't let you out of the cells, you said? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Uh, they let us out, I think it was like like five cells at a time or something to shower during that time. Showers took like fucking two days just to do showers. Holy shit. It was shit. crazy. And, uh, you know, we, we see murders a lot in like action movies and horror movies and stuff. Well, what is it like to actually witness that? You saw someone actually get killed in front of you, the guy who fell or was dropped. Uh, so how did that make you feel just to see that? Uh, unsettling. I was very, um, ill for a little bit, you know, like it just felt weird, you know, and it felt cold. Uh, I, like I found a dead body once before too, like, like when I was, this is a whole other story, this is outside of prison, you know, and like, like it was a dude in his apartment. Like I went with this girl, I was seeing her, our friend's apartment and the neighbor came over saying, Hey, his neighbors like hasn't answered the door in a few days. And he's concerned. So me and the other neighbor went in there and looked and lo and behold, dude, been on the floor, cold, dead for shit. I don't know, at least a couple days, probably. I mean, he was cold, cold. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's not like nice and like warm. Like it's, I don't know. It's, it's weird. You know, it's not like the way TV makes it out to be. People aren't smiling and, and you know when when blood splatter hits on the TV screen, it's not real. Like it almost looks real, but it's not real. You know what I'm saying? Like it's different. It's very different. Blood's a lot darker in real life. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Very dark. And uh, yeah, especially yeah, if it's yeah. like a huge wound because it doesn't have time yeah. to become red. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, it, the oxygen's got to mix with it or whatever. It's got to oxygenate or something to turn all red, I think. But, like, yeah, it's really dark. Especially when it's in a puddle, like when it's thick. And there's oh, not yeah. much light shining through it, you know? Yeah. And uh, you, you mentioned being in fights. Did you Were you ever um, ganged up on? Did anyone just attack you, like sucker punch you, or just come at no, you when you weren't aware of it? No, 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 no. I'm a, I'm a pretty uh, likable guy. You know, I show respect and all that. Um, and I try to mind my, my business and, you know... If it doesn't pertain to me, it has nothing to do with me type of situation. But I do know that there was one time that I had to uh, participate in a DP of somebody else with another guy. Um, you know, I don't want to get into too much what he did. It's like there's different levels of, of like infractions. Like if you get in trouble, you know, with the inmate rules, like you do something that 
gets your dorm or your cell or another race hemmed up or something, like depending on how much trouble it causes, it determines the level of your punishment, you know? And luckily for this guy, it wasn't really that big of a deal. He did get the dorm that we were all over in Tost, which got the other races involved. But luckily, no one got busted for anything. So he didn't get in that much trouble. But he had to be shown a lesson not to like, hey, don't do things that draw attention to us. So this one dude and myself were the two that got nominated, you know, because like no one else really wanted. One of the other guys in there was a big, he was a Protestant chaplain's clerk. And I felt, and a couple of us felt like it would be inappropriate to have the Protestant chaplain's clerk out there DPing somebody. Like, that's kind of the wrong message to send, you know, because it's, you know, he's a religious cat, you know, so I mean, don't force that. And, you know, so anyway, the two of us had to do it. So basically, you just had to go there, you know, punch him up, beat him up, put hands on him a little bit for a few minutes. And, you know, then that's basically it. And pretty much once blood is drawn, so like once you like split an eyebrow or, you know, bust a lip or something, that's usually when it's done, you know, hands laid, debts paid is another way that we phrase it. So that I didn't have to participate in. That was just the one time. But besides that, the only other fights I've ever been in was, you know, one toss up with the dude where he dotted me in the eye. And that was a bunch of, that was liquor induced. We were just drinking a bunch of white lighting, got a little drunk and riding out of control. And this guy got a little tussle. So it was no big deal. We were cool about it. Matter of fact, the guy that I got in that fight with is the same guy that I had to DP the other dude with. Yes, I Funny how it works like that, right? Yeah. And one thing I've read about modern prisons is that they've kind of become the new mental institutions because a lot of mentally ill people do commit crime. Uh, so I was wondering if you like observed like bizarre, strange behavior. Like I mentioned on the previous, the first part of this series about prison stories, uh, this one guy shoved a toilet brush up his ass, like the handle, and had the brush part sticking out. He said, hey, look, I'm a rabbit. Was there anything really weird going on to that extent? Or <laughs> There was this one dude that I used to keep in solitary at this one place that I used to um, go by when I'd sweep the hallway. I got a little job as a janitor for a while at one place. And, and uh, he used to like to finger paint with shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, he, he did that. He did that. Um, there were a lot of dudes who used to like to do weird things with shit. I don't know what it is about the fascination with you know some people whose brains go a little loopy and in their own fecal matter. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but that seems to happen in a lot of prisons, though. Like, actually, yeah, some of those really stories bad. involved that. Yeah, people doing things with their bodily substances. Uh, so, how, what, what can... I think, it, I, think, I think it might be because it's the one thing they can't take away from you. That's right, yeah. They can't... You gotta that eat, and is, you gotta... Yeah. Yeah, that kind of just dawned on me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what, what kept you sane in there? Like, surely there must have been times when it was... When you... When you had a hard time kept it to get, keeping it together, or uh, is that I read a lot. I read a lot, man. Like, you know, I wasn't in a cell. I was riding a horse in the prairie, or blasting off through the galaxy. Or, I mean, if you can read, and you can get lost in a story, you can disappear. Um, fortunately for me, that works. You know, and then I studied a lot of things. Anything I get my hands on, I studied. Uh, 
and then it took up a little art, like I doodled a little bit. And then when I got to main line, see, during during reception and things, it's rough because you're locked down all the time. Once you get to, to the main line, it's not as rough because, like I said, you're out all the time. I got really active in, in groups while I was there. Uh, started going to the uh, to the well, it's not really a college. They have a school there that they teach some classes, and so I started doing that. And I started getting involved with some some like art and healing classes and uh, some church services. And I mean, I was I was barely ever even on the yard or in the dorm. Like I was always at service or at work or I mean, you can keep busy once you get to mainline if you want to. Um, but that's up to you. You know, you have to request it and actually want to. Yeah, that's what I. That's one thing I read. This guy said, "Make constructive use of your time. Get a job. Take some courses. Read books." Uh, but the guys who just sit around drinking, doing drugs, gambling—those are the guys who most likely end up in trouble, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. I always try to tell people that prison can can be positive if you leave it a better person than you already went in. Like if you progress yourself mentally. Uh, physically, spiritually, emotionally, anything along them lines, like it can be positive. You know, if you go there and learn something, you didn't waste your time. You, you get what I'm saying? Oh like, yeah, yeah. You know, a waste of time is just sitting around all day, arm wrestling. You know, you might have a big muscle, but you know, with all due respect, that's kind of a waste of time. Oh you yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, but if you try to learn something, if you try to gain a skill, you know, there's trades. You can go. You know, you can go take welding classes, get certified in welding. You can go. You know, uh, depending on where you want it. Like, we got the fire camps. If, as long as you don't got arson on your record, you can go over to do fire camp and go become a, a CDF fire camp worker through the prison. And I, I believe you can get certified to do that through them. And boom, you can work as a firefighter when you get out. You know, I, I believe. Don't quote me on it. I haven't done that one. But I believe you can. And was there, any, was there one particular thing that you hated about being in prison? I mean, I guess not having, like, weed all the time, (laughs) you know, uh, I mean, separation can suck, you know, if, if you get, if you like, or have been used to being around certain people or family members or things like that can get rough and lonely. Um, I mean... Uh, I don't know. It's weird. Prison can become oddly comfortable too. Like leaving can become nerve wracking. Like I was really nervous to leave. Like I almost didn't want to leave when my time came around because I had a nice job. Like I had respect on the yard. Like like things were good, you know. And uh, I I didn't get no problems thrown my way. I had respect and I gave respect and everything was good. You know, sometimes coming out to this real world again can be scary for the guys in there, you know. And so that's another thing that people need to tend to remember. Guys getting out sometimes are, you know, they're nervous because it's a big, crazy, scary world out here. And when you're out here and you got to make all the decisions for yourself, it could be overwhelming when you've been told what to do all the time, you know. Did you see the Shawshank Redemption? Oh, yeah. So could you relate to that character Brooks to some degree, the the old guy who just had been in so long, he just oh, yeah. couldn't deal with it. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, like I, the, the last time I was there, I was only there like, it was like 27 months, so it really wasn't even that long. It was a decent amount of time, a little over two years, like, you know, it's enough time. And I, st- I still was like, 
contemplating, you know, because like when my time was coming around, I was joking with a few guys, joking with my worker, because you get, you know, you get a worker there that helps you, um, your counselor, and they, you know, make sure you stay on track and you're not causing trouble, and they help determine where you go and what prison you're at and what kind of jobs you can do and, you know, when you parole, that's who you deal with and all that stuff, you know. Then you get, you know, your parole officer when you go home, but, but while you're there, it's your, your counselor, right? You always see joke with them, like, you know, I just get a little... 30-day write-up, because, you know, I could do, get a 30-day write-up. I'll only do, like, another, like, 14, 15 days on it, because I'm going to do, like, half-time anyway. Might even do, like, 12 days, and then maybe by then I'll be ready to go home. And then I started saying that stuff, like, the week before I was leaving, everyone's like, shut the fuck up, man, you're leaving, dude, don't do that, just get out of here. Dude. Yeah, what? This is not cool. And no, it's not cool. No, it's not fun. I mean, it's, I mean, it can be okay, and, and anything can be, I mean, Stockholm Syndrome, right? Any experience can be enjoyable you know i could not or not enjoyable but um worthwhile but uh but i mean yeah it is crazy there and you any single day every single day every single day shit happens people fight people stab things kick off every single day uh not all the time does it involve everyone sometimes it involves just small groups of people or certain racial uh, groups or certain individuals you know um but at any moment or any day, it can quickly escalate and involve you. And so that you do have to be prepared of. So I guess the fact that you never know if today is a day that you're going to get into something is probably the one thing I hated the least or the most about prison. And there's one there's one thing I read, um, uh, you know, not everyone's a violent criminal, a hardened criminal. So maybe, no. a guy, maybe a guy gets involved with like fraud or something, but he's, uh, and I heard like, if you don't stand up for yourself, like some guy comes around to start picking on you and you and you you back down, that that's like a death sentence, isn't it? Oh yeah, you, you well once you become a victim, like you'll always be a victim. Like like there's people that, that that's what they do. They prey upon people like that. So they'll come up to some dude and hey man, you know let me get some phone time, bro. I know you got some phone time. Let me get your phone time. And before you know it, that dude's buying full packages for that guy. You know what I'm saying? Because every quarter you can get a package. Yeah, and you know every you know, so four times a year you get a package sending, and uh, you know you can only get one that quarter. Well, some guys want more than that, so they get people like that to have packages sent in. But it's really for the other dude, and basically they just use them, or they'll have them spend their own money on them, shit like that. And, you know, start taking them for everything he's got. Why? Because he's a pushover victim. So yeah, no, you can't. You know, you might have to fight somebody. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and they say also, if you were a generous individual on the outside, don't be generous on the inside because they'll never stop coming around, right? Exactly. That was exactly what I was just saying. Same, same thing. Yeah. Like be you, polite, but don't be giving all your shit away because they'll and, never stop. And then there was another thing where they said, you know, no one's really your friend in there. Like this guy, this was a really horrifying story I read about. So he's like 19. I think he got busted for like possession of pot or something. And he's in this with his cellmate. And his cellmate's really friendly at first, and he's giving him, like, cookies and stuff like that. And then at one point, the guy says to him, you know, you got to pay me back for all these things I've done for you. And so his, his way of compensating him was to perform sexual favors. But the, the 19-year-old guy, he wasn't gay. So then at one point, he started saying no. And so his uh, cellmate one day came in with some friends. They broke a broomstick in half, and they raped the young guy with the jagged end. Uh, it took eight surgeries to remove all the splinters. 
it was just so horrific. Even the warden like came and expressed his condolences. And normally, I don't think you probably talk to the warden that much. But it was it was a really disturbing story. But I guess that's the lesson, right? Nobody's your friend in there. No, you know there there was a dude that was there one time that killed his celly man. And I don't know. He he got a knife, snuck that in there, and so we didn't see it. I didn't see. I didn't even see the aftermath. They had it cleaned up. Like they found it the next morning. You know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, he was just uh, what was he, like fourth tier or something? I think a little ways down. And yeah, he cut that dude up. I guess it was freaking blood everywhere in there. But that one I didn't physically see. So, but that did happen. And so, I mean, so yeah, shit like that does happen. And then you have to kind of be careful in a whole other way. Like, you have to stand up for yourself. But I've also heard of this phenomenon where, like, maybe a guy gets a two-year sentence, but he ends up killing someone who was attacking him, and then he gets a murder sentence. So now he's doing, you know, 25 years, and he was only supposed to be in there for two years. Oh, yeah, you're not ex- exempt from catching more time while there. So, yeah, you definitely got to be careful. Uh, did you ever go to the hole, or were you uh, better behaved than that? Yeah, no, 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 I've been to the hole. Uh, I was there for a week during um, one of the riots that locked a bunch of us down in there. Uh, I've been in what we call the dummy box in San Quentin, which was weird. Uh, it's just this, it's literally a, a metal cage that is about as big as you can stand in. You know, if you're 350 plus, you might not, 400 pounds, you might not even fit in this thing, you know? And uh, it's just a cage down on the ground, like right out on the bottom of tears. And it's just there. And being in those things are, are shitty because sometimes people will throw stuff on you. Oh, yeah, you're on display, fist. right? Oh, yeah, they're on display. Yeah, that's... And then they strip you down, too. They strip you down during that cage. Wow, well, naked? There's not enough, there's, yeah, there's not enough room to sit down or nothing. You can you can you stand there. I mean, if you're, you know, skinny and small and flexible, you might be able to squat like a catcher and, and sit down. Uh, but I couldn't. <laughs> oh man, that sounds yeah, humiliating. So I, just, I had to stand there. We ended up standing there for like I don't know, like down like four or five hours or something. Jesus. So what did you do that uh, led to them putting you? Just in out there? running around. You know what we call wiggling. You know, it's just mm-hmm. out. I got out from my of my cell on a ducket. And, uh, you know, like the, who, the nurse, doctor, dentist, any, any reason that someone official wants to see you is called a ducket. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're supposed to go there and then you're supposed to go straight back. Well, a lot of us don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you always go other places and go see other guys that you know and bullshit with them and run around and then just try to, and basically try to stay out as long as you can before they wrangle you up. And, uh, and yes, so, I mean, sometimes you'll get a cool cop who'll just be like, all right, go to your cell, lock down or whatever. Uh, but usually they're assholes, but I mean, you can't blame them. They're dealing with a thousand untrained assholes, you know, <laughs> uh, wild animals running around. So can't really blame them too much, I guess. So the whole, is that just like in movies oh, yeah. and TV where it's dark, you're naked, they got a bucket for you to relieve yourself in is it the same way uh San Quentin, yeah yeah and uh let's hear uh Vacaville no Vacaville was just like a little cell it was like a little salt tip. you can't have nothing in it 
I was over in there. I wasn't there for disciplinary issues in the back of the one. I was overflow there. They transferred me somewhere else. They kept me there overnight. They had nowhere to keep me, so they kept me in the hole overnight. And that was just like a cell, but there was nothing allowed in it. You know, I had light. But a lot of them are more solitary confinements than holes these days. A lot of the holes have been deemed back in the old days as cruel and unusual. Yeah. You know, these people can go insane in there because they'd lock people in there for, you know, weeks and weeks and months at a time and stuff. And, you know, without any books, that's the thing. Like, if you ain't got a book, you know, or some pencils so you can draw or write, like, that's when your brain starts going mad. You've got to have something to keep your brain, you know, flowing and thinking and moving. And, I mean, yeah, there are some that are probably still like that. And getting back into the subject of how being in prison can affect you mentally, I once had brief contact with a guy who was in for a very long time. I think it was like 30 years or something. And I was going to schedule an interview with him about his experience in prison. He was wrongfully convicted to make things worse. But his advocate explained to me he has a very hard time taking the initiative with anything because he was so used to having his life planned for him and, and like almost zero decisions being made. So to, to, to go and, and initiate something was very hard for him. So can you, can you understand how someone would get to that point? Oh, for sure. You know, uh, you know, like I said, it's sometimes making decisions becomes too overwhelming because you can, you don't know how to do it. Like, I've known, I had a buddy once, he was some years older than me, so I can't really say I was a buddy. He was just an older dude from like the neighborhood, and he'd been locked up for a while. And he'd come home, and uh, you know, like six years or something. And he'd done it more than once at this point. And he was in his probably early thirties, and I must have been about seventeen or eighteen. And I asked him, and I just saw a look on his face one day that like, he he did not look okay. And he's a tough dude, you know. And I'm like, dude, you you know, you all right, bro? And uh, he's just like, man, I don't know if I can take this shit. Anymore. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, all this just freedom life out here, man. I'm like, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm about to go do something. I got to get locked back up, dude. I was like, what? That's sad, man. Dude, yeah. Right? And like, it was insane to me. But then having been locked up for a while and then you get set in a routine where actually when you get into a position of where you have the respect and, and you give the respect because you've been there for a minute, you know what I'm saying? You, and you got the, the, the pro, your, your routine and your program set up. Like, it's it's the same as change. It's the same as losing your job or breaking up with your girlfriend or it's change and it's scary and it's unfamiliar and you don't know what to do. And if no one's there telling you how to do it or pointing you in the right direction or give you motivation, like, it's easy to fall back on what you know, you know, what you're comfortable with. And if and that can even be fucking up, if, if yeah. hurting people or doing crime or drugs, or whatever is what's normal to you, even if it's insanity, it's it's still what you fall back on. Well, it's not in the best interest of the prison for you to be independent, is it? No, no. You think not? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And uh, so, uh, did uh, being prison in prison? Uh, did it change you in any kind of permanent way? Like, are you a different person now that you've been in there? I think so. I think so. And here's the main reason why. When I first went, I was still a very angry person. I had a lot of hatred. You know, I hated all kinds of people for things. My old, my dad, you know, mom, you know, uh, my son's mom, you know, various different 
this girlfriend, that ex-buddy, you know, I had a lot of just anger inside. And while I was there away from everyone, I had time to actually truly let go. And for, I don't know if they still don't want, they might all still hate me, but see, I don't care anymore, you know? And I don't mean it like that, like I don't care. Like it's just, I'm over all the anger, like it gave me time to get over things and actually put a few things in perspective and realize that only myself and my life is what I'm controlling and dictating over. Uh, and my feelings is, is it and whatever I think and feel only affects me it really does like no one cares if I'm upset at someone else but me I make my day bad not yours you know what I'm saying like yeah yeah so I've I was able to realize that life's too short too small and the only person who's whose attitude I'm messing up is myself by having all these frustrations towards people. So it, it was able to make me, like I said, let go of those feelings. And so now when I deal with certain people that I used to not like, I actually can you know, hear their point of views. I understand like my son's mom, like I'm, I'm receptive to how she feels about things. And it ain't because of, of any certain class or any one thing. It's just because I realize that is no point in being upset over old bullshit because you never know when today's it. You know, we ain't guaranteed tomorrow. You know there, what I'm saying? There are other guys that I've heard say that uh, it changed them in a negative way in terms of like in jail, they just got so paranoid and, and they didn't trust anybody and that they couldn't shake it when they got out. It's like they just figure everyone's got an agenda, everyone could be out to get me. And I don't, and I think in some cases they couldn't get over it. Okay, okay, okay. I can see something like that. Okay, so there's something that I'm still self-conscious about. Still, I don't like, like, if we go out to a restaurant or something, I sit with my back to a wall. Really? Yeah. I, I prefer to have my back to a wall at any times in large groups of people. Not even necessarily because I think anyone's going up to do something or up to something. It's just, it's a comfort reason. I know no one's sneaking up behind me if my back's up against the wall. And I directly relate that to prison. And everyone I know does, too. They go, yeah, that's totally why you do that. But, like, yeah, I got to... You know, if we go to the club, I like to stand. If we're at the bar, I want to be up against the end of the bar by the wall. You know, like stand over here. Oh yeah. Like yeah, at all times. I don't like people being able to walk up right behind me, unless you know, of course, you you, got, you can't avoid it and walk down the street or whatever. You know. And if you see a guy who likes looks like he must be like a total roughneck, like he probably's looking for trouble, does that affect you differently now than it would have before you went to prison? No, no. I mean, I grew up around all those people. And, uh, I mean, if you see me, buddy, you should know I'm covered in tattoos myself. Mm -hmm. So, uh, no, you know, those are my kind of people. It doesn't matter what color you are. I mean, if, if you're, you know, if you're from the wrong side of the tracks, man, you're my kind of people. And I, and I understand, I understand your bullshit. Don't worry. Yeah, I get that. I'm from a dysfunctional fucked up family too. Is your you father know? out of prison? Yeah. Yeah. He's out now. He went back just a while ago, but he got out again. Did he ever comment on the fact that you ended up going to? No, him and I don't really have too much of a relationship. We chat once in a blue moon, that's about it. And it's more of a, you know, superficial, how you do what type of conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I, don't take it the wrong way, but it's like you're, you're kind of a statistic in that men who went to prison often end up, if they have kids, their kids often end up going to prison too. It's a, it's a cycle. They, yeah, they say they say if uh, if, if you had uh, a, a kid is, who, with a dad who went to prison has a seventy seven or seventy percent chance of going to prison. 
stuff like that. And uh, and yeah, and I guess it's just because you get comfortable with that type of life, and and um, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's weird. Like I don't, you know, if if your dad's a troublemaker, I guess his friends probably are too. And then so you associate with troublemakers growing up, and and then. You know, it takes you either, either you, I mean, I guess you could be one of the few ones that I'm not going to because I saw what it did, but, but that's hard, you know, it's, it is hard to break the cycle. Well, yeah, and, that, and especially when you consider um, in criminal culture, a lot of them have this kind of resigned feeling about it where it's like, yeah, you know, you go away once in a while and you come back and you get back in the routine. Deal. Yeah. It's just like on Trailer Park Boys, they said, oh, yeah, everyone goes to jail. No, not everyone goes to jail. But, I, like, it, but yeah, I guess, you know, in those circles, it just seems normal, I guess. Well, the, the funny thing is, is almost everybody I know has, you know, like all my friends. We've all been to jail, everybody. Well, so, you, yeah, everybody does. But you you start branching out, so you're right, start branching from that circle and start going to their sisters and cousins and aunts and moms and dads and and, and brother-in-laws and you start realizing oh no not everyone does just just idiots of each family like me do <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean it's i mean i know that america has like some of the highest incarceration rates in the world i've had three american girlfriends two of them well my current girlfriend has been in jail uh my last american girlfriend uh friends of hers have been in jail it just seems like and then they were all you know working class poor people and uh, it, it does seem to be endemic to that, and that, well, that economic it's, milieu, it's, you know. It's an industrial money crop service. Down oh, here totally, now. yeah. You know, yeah, you know, they use it. It's, it's also a form of modern day slave labor. Like every institution in California, well, most of them, um, produces things, you know, that are sold. Guess what? They charge the inmate, or they pay the inmates like seven cents an hour to make it. Oh, yeah, totally, um, yeah. You know, I, I remember I, I got the best paying job on the yard when I was there last time. I was somebody's clerk. Uh, 52 cents an hour. Highest 52 paid cents. position in the whole institution next to uh, the, the, the dudes who go into the like the dentist office stuff and touch all the biohazard, biohazard waste. Besides those dudes and the fire camp people, no one, made, no one had a higher paid position than I had. And it was 52 cents an hour. I mean... The freaking porters, the guys who clean the toilets in your dorms and all the the, guys, the house mouses, some of us will call them, uh, they're getting, you know, three to eight cents an hour. Wow. You know, like over at the welding, over at the wood shop, you know, they, they got some nice furniture being built out there. You know, I don't know what it was being done with, sold, oh, I don't know. I sure don't know. But, oh, yeah, chicken farms, all kinds of stuff, man. And, the, and uh, that commissary stuff, that's pretty cheap, right? For the most part, I mean, it's kind of a dirty monopoly because there's a company out there called Airmark that got contract with a lot of institutions to do their commissary. They're you know they're a big delivery company, Airmark, but they also are contracted to do the food for a lot of institutions, so they feed you like shit, so you get super hungry, so you buy more commissary. Oh, I see. Yeah, and it's like yeah, off-brand uh, chips and stuff like that. Is it? Uh, no, you get Doritos and, and things like that, but I'll tell no, you that your lunch food, like, I joke about it, and I know it's kind of a joke, but there's times where I open the can of dog food to feed grandma's dog over here, and as I'm pouring those little chunks of wet meat out, I'm looking at it going, man, that looks just like the shit I ate when I was in prison. 
Wow, that is sad, man. <laughs> no, I doubt it really yeah. is. Yeah. It looks just like it, man. Oh, yeah, they buy the cheapest food imaginable, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Gotta be that great W. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, well, I thank you so much for this information, because, uh, you know, we see the way prison is depicted in movies and television, and... And it's always exaggerated. There's always it's like the daily anal rapes and uh, yeah. one riot a week. It's always blown out of proportion. But it's good to know, uh, yeah, it's about the reality well, of it. You know, and I also know some older guys who have been on some higher, you know, like level three, like fours. And you know, I've been on one level three once, but it wasn't that crazy while I was there. Uh, so you never know. I might be able to find someone else who's been got a few more experiences than I even have to talk to you if you want but well I guess if you're there long enough you'll maybe see some more crazy shit for sure you know? exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> right thanks man I, I mean, yes sir yeah yeah no problem but <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it gets crazy in there yeah yeah for sure well alright alright I appreciate it's, that it's been a pleasure being here tonight man thanks for interviewing me and having me in and, uh, and yeah yeah likewise man Alrighty, my bud. Alright, take care, man. Alright, you too. Cheers. Bye-bye.